welcome to Tabletop Game Talk On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Kitty. And I'm Chris. And this week, we're going to involve, involve, involve our live listener audience in the show because I was too lazy to make up a topic. So we're just going to answer their questions. And if there are no questions, we are going to sit here and stare at each other, which will then get cut out because I strip all the silences from the episode. So that would be very boring. It's on you, live listeners. Oh, also, we're going to do a drawing for our 2021 giveaway. Um, but first, as always, a thank you for our Patreons, friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Kitty, how are you doing? Um, well, you know, just <laughs> quietly dying over here. If I had Fletcher to rope into being here, I would not. But I took a nap and then I took another nap, and here I am. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. Otherwise, I would just be talking to silent... I'd be talking to text chat boxes, and everyone <laughs> would have to listen to me. Which would... I guess that would work. Also, if you would like to be part of our live chat chat boxes, you can join us on Zoom every Monday at 8.30 Central Time. TabletopGameTalk.com slash live. Oh, Kitty, we have you a Discord You can hear us now. discuss we always Transformers. Had a <laughs> we did. We talked about Transformers and um, let's see, coronavirus variants. Those were our pre-show topics. Very exciting stuff. How they were related, um, because Omicron sounds like a Transformer. There you go. I've been watching a lot of Sudoku uh, solving puzzles on YouTube and I'm addicted. So now I'm trying to solve every puzzle. Everything's a puzzle to me. I'm just trying to solve it in my head. How does these? How do these things connect? Um, but speaking of, Kitty, did you know that I brought our Discord back up? I did. And Have I been in it joining. since last week's? Mm, no. <laughs> it's 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 awesome. We have currently, um, well, that's not my Discord. This one is. We have 27 people in our Discord right now. So join our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Somebody who's in Discord is going to win something cool on I'm not going to talk about it on the show. I'm just going to put it in our Discord general chat that, hey, Merry Christmas. This random person won something. So you don't have to actually be active if you don't want to. Just, you know, make the names bulk up on the server so it doesn't look like it's empty. Because I have a competition complex, and there's a lot of Discords I'm a part of that have more users than I have. (laughs) So I want more. How was your Thanksgiving? It was Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, we had Thanksgiving. It was good. (laughs) Yeah, we had a good time. Um, my aunt and uncle visited from Denver to my parents' neck of the woods, and then we hopped up to Wisconsin for the day for um, Thanksgiving with Spencer's family. So uh, we got lots of gaming in, had lots of fun, ate too much. But then I did a workout Saturday morning, so I felt like I balanced. So We just did a small Thanksgiving Sydney's parents, her uncle, and then a friend of her mom came over. Uh, I made a turkey with no bones, which are amazing. They're little three-pound turkeys that are wrapped in string. You put them in the oven for two hours, and they come out, and they're delicious every time, and they're so easy to do. So I did two of those and ended up with a full one left over because three pounds of turkey is a lot of turkey. It's more than eight people can eat. Uh, well, I guess eight people could eat it, but when you have everything else, it's, it's enough. uh but yeah so we had that was good and then hanukkah started sunday and so we went over to her parents and did that so i just have a lot of holidays going on between thanksgiving hanukkah and christmas they're just kind of always spaced out where something's happening so i'm like Mm -hmm. all right but zachary loves hanukkah because he's he just he, he gets a present every night so he's like "Ooh, is it hanukkah time is it hanukkah time he doesn't get anything else besides you know oh i get presents but and then he wants to open Becca's presents too, which is always fun. And then he wants her present more than his. And Becca just wants to bang blocks on the table. I don't know. It's a big mess, really. Kids are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, for my 3D printing update, I was able to print stuff. I set up a print yesterday that was going to take 28 hours because these printers are really slow. So then I said, no, I can't do that. So then I changed it. I was printing two boxes and and lids with it. And then I changed it to one box and one lid. And it printed. And then 
the lid was a 0.1 millimeter too big. So I had to reprint the lid and that took another five and a half hours. These printers <laughs> are so slow. But what I ended up with was a double weld card box for sleeved Euro, the mini Euro cards, which is not a thing that you can find in the wild. It's just something I made. So I'm like, this is cool. And it takes forever. And I can understand why people sell these things for like 20 bucks on Etsy because it takes forever. Uh, but I might sell them for 20 bucks on Etsy because why not? So, and then I made some knobs for my oven because as I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner, the handle of my oven, both sides, like just stripped. So the screws just didn't, don't work for the handle anymore. So I went downstairs and I designed some knobs, which really just look like closet knobs, but they work and then printed them on resin, put some screws in them, put them on my oven. And now it looks like I have closet doorknobs on my oven, but I can open it again. So that makes me happy. (laughs) So how's the uh, creepy bunny thing going? Have not made much progress. It was a a very busy week of having lots of people around. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I played a lot of games. We, um, I finally got to play Parks, which is a game that like I've owned forever. I backed it on Kickstarter. It has been in my collection. I saw other people play my copy of it while I was in the room on multiple occasions and never got to play it. And finally, we got uh, two games in this weekend. Um, and I, you know, being me had already bought the expansion. So we've got um, all the parks and like camping stuff too. So it's, it's really fun. I really liked it. Um, that, that was fun. I still have it. It's just sitting up in my game room waiting to be played. But I just, I, it's one of those things that looks small enough where I don't want to put the effort in to learn how to play. But it would be best if I knew how to play it so that I could introduce it to casual gamers because it looks like a casual friendly game. It's a really casual friendly game. It's, um, basically a worker placement resource management, but in a very straightforward, simple to learn way. But if you are the one reading the rule book, it is, it's hard to figure it out until you see it played. And it's very easy to pick up then. So I was trying to figure it out. I had seen it played, watched it played a couple of times, but it'd been a while I couldn't really remember. So I was reading the book while my mom and my aunt just stared at me like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and then after three turns, they were like, oh, I've got it. Okay, yeah, this is easy. And I was like, yes, thank you. So um, so it was good. And then the other one we got out this weekend was um, Windward. Uh, Spencer, uh, his cousin, and her husband, we all played Windward together. And that one's really fun. Still waiting for my newest Kickstarter big box expansion on that one. But Deluxe awesome pack. Yeah. So so it was really fun. We got that to the table. Um, I felt bad for Spencer's cousin who uh, has a nine-month-old baby who just like glazed over during the rules. And then basically we all played her character as a collective. But she's like, I, I just wish that I was more awake for this. <laughs> it's like, welcome to every time I do anything. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just... Actually, I put that. No, I did not put that. That that was one of the possible topics was gaming with kids at a, at these ages because it's basically impossible. Uh, but before, no, I asked for listener questions and we got a whole bunch of them now. So we're going to do these questions first, and at the end, I might ask you some questions about kids, or we might have do an entire one more story. I've completely forgot. So we brought out Azul with my aunt, uncle, and cousin, who was only there for one day, and. We started playing, and it turned out that they had bought the game because we mentioned that we'd been really enjoying it. And they were like, oh, so we tried to learn it at home. Uh, but they had figured it out wrong. They were, they were playing it in a the wrong way. Um, and I was talking about the first player tile. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, you know, we do it this way. And she's like, well, but in the rule book it says this. And I looked, and I was like, oh, we've been doing that wrong. So it turned out we were both playing the game wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we we figured out um by playing with some new people that you know there we we were you know to be fair less wrong but still um we hadn't been playing the first player tile the right way so yeah i have a theory uh-huh. that most people play the wrong rules yes not necessarily people that <laughs> listen to this podcast or people that frequent bgg but in general the average person who picks up a board game, they are not playing by the rules of that board game. B- 
because they read it once, play it the way they think they understand it, and they're not like me that will go back and reread the rule book to find all the different things that you did wrong. They're just like, oh, okay, that's fine. And they just keep playing it that way forever, never even knowing that you could ask a question that they might be doing something wrong. <laughs> so, and that's fine. I, I think that is completely fine. Play your game the way you want to play the game. The only time it actually matters is when you are playing competitive against strangers. That's mm-hmm. the only time you need to play by the rules. Any other time, you just play by whatever's fun for you. So I just and don't do that. Yeah. Don't play competitive. And I'm happy. Period. Done. I'm happy. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right. Pick a question. So I'm going to pick the very first question because Christopher Dong is trying to start a fight. And he says, what are our feelings about Kickstarter rulebooks? And I think that even though Kitty and I don't agree on rule books and we don't agree on Kickstarter, I think we do agree on Kickstarter rule books, which is have one and have it not suck. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let people read it during your campaign. Yes. If you don't have the rules for your game during the campaign, then it's just, I, yeah. And I get that certain developments going to happen and things might change. Um, final art might not be there, et cetera, but have rules for your Kickstarters because otherwise it's not a game. It's just a bunch of pictures and I'm getting pickier these days, which will lead into our next two questions. that I'm going to combine uh, Joshua asks and John asks, Joshua asks, what do you think about the latest IP fad in board games? And John asks, how do you feel about turning video games into board games? They're basically, um, they're related in a way. Um, so we're going to answer those together. And I'm curious, Kitty, have you been following Kickstarter since we stopped following Kickstarter? I go into Kickstarter probably once a week, once every two weeks. Um, check out what's going on. But I have not been as into it since we stopped doing the news. Okay. Well, this one is actually would be of interest to probably Spencer because he loves Skyrim, right? Yes. And there is now on GameFound a Skyrim uh, board game. And I know nothing about this except it's a multiple campaign game with a lot of miniatures that's raised, uh, well, 945,000 pounds. So some 1.2-ish, 3-ish million dollars, which is fine. Uh, but I am I'm actively this is I just brought the page up. So this is again goes back to both these questions of IPs and video games. Now I did back The Witcher, which is an IP and a video game. And I'm really excited for that. So that's great. My general feelings on this is it's a great way to make a board game that's going to make you more than a million dollars, especially if it's a video game IP, because you will have people backing this game that have not backed any other board game ever just because they're a fan of the franchise. Now, this could be cool. It's a one to four player co-op game. And again, if you know anything about this, you already know more than I do. I just know it has a lot of plastic, a lot of dice, a lot of cards, a lot of stuff. And I have a lot of games that already have a lot of stuff. So I am not going to get this. It also has a rule book that you can download. So it checks that box. Um, Let's see. Oh, and has a scenario book you can even download. Unless you can catch butterflies while wearing armor. I don't know if Spencer's going to be that into it. Um, you know, I think there might be a catching butterfly option here. That's my favorite. I So I don't know if it's actually Spencer's favorite part of that game, but I just think it is so funny when you see the like gigantic armored character jumping in the air to catch the butterflies. It brings me such joy. And every time he knows that he needs to move out of like the first person into the third person mode when he's catching butterflies. Cause I find such amusement in it. <laughs> you just want to see a jumping warrior I with just, a net. He's like, cause the armor he wears is always like this, like really dark black, scary, like night armor with like nightmare fuel face. Um, and I don't know that that's what everyone chooses when they play Skyrim. You know, there's lots of choices, but Spencer plays it probably once every other year. He gets really sucked into it, which he is now currently doing. And he plays it the exact same way every time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm way past the era of sitting down and playing video games. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I was a video game developer for almost a decade and a half. And once I got out of that industry, I just couldn't do video games anymore, which is why I now do board games and role-playing games. But this game looks 
fine. And I think I, I like that it exists. I like that there's a Skyrim board game out there. Um, if I was into the franchise still, I would probably buy, well, not probably, I would buy this for a second. If I was still just into buying every huge Kickstarter, I would buy this. It's only been a few months since I've been out of that mindset, but I, I don't know. But now we can speak about another IP game, which, uh, Kitty, you might have opinions of. Uh, Simon just announced their 50th Kickstarter, which they haven't announced when it's going to be, but we're thinking January, February, March timeframe, somewhere around there. Um, and this is another Marvel game, but it's now crossed with Zombicide. So you are playing Marvel superheroes that have been turned into zombies, and you are playing the zombies, and you're going against Marvel superheroes that haven't been turned into zombies, along with a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. So that's the premise of the game. We don't really know too much about it, except that that we know that much about it. Um, I don't, I've never been a huge fan of Marvel. I didn't grow up with Marvel. I like the MCU, and recently I've gotten more and more into Marvel. I've never really liked zombies, although I own every Zombicide practically, and all the Marvel games practically, but I think this zombie Marvel crossover is almost too much for me, and I don't know if I'm going to back this, which is Blasphemy. This is Simon's <laughs> 50th Kickstarter. I'm not I going just... to be kickstarting it. I can tell you that. I I don't know. Like the the nonconformist inside of me, that tiny hipster that lives in my heart is like, it's too popular, so I don't like it. I don't like Simon games and I don't like Marvel <laughs> anymore. You broke it. Um but you know, maybe they'll change my mind if it's, you know, a really good and fun game. But I don't know, I'm not really into oodles of miniatures kind of games and all of the marvel stuff seems to involve that and i don't know i always liked x-men and they don't seem to focus on the x-men anymore so well they just did um x-men united but oh uh, the game yeah i i don't know it didn't look i think you might like to me we'll see you, you might like it it's one of those games you have to play and then you're like oh i get it um another one though i did back for the ip was um and this is solely for the IP, because I do not trust the game company. I do not trust the gameplay. I don't really trust anything about this game, except for it's a Harry Potter Quidditch game called Catch the Snitch, which funded almost two years ago, maybe a little bit further. And it's still not out yet. But I still get updates, so I think it's going to come out. So I remember I when you backed that because this. This was a long time ago. Yeah. And I'm excited for this. I think it's the first game I saw that actually looks like you're playing Quidditch, which is a silly game. But... It, it has potential. So hopefully the extra delays is them just making the game better because they seem like, you know, they're huge fans of the IP. So fingers crossed that that works out all right. But in general, I would say I like games based on IPs. I like games based on video games, mostly because these days the games typically are pretty good. They're, it's not just let's throw an IP on there and call it another flavor of Monopoly and, you know, sell 100,000 copies and call it good. They actually make good games for a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, I'm totally pro. All right. I only like games question. about plants. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. And you, just, you want nature's IP in all of your games. Yes. Um, all right. Darren asks, in an effort to connect new gamers, please discuss ways to find local gaming cons. Google. Google mostly. Um, Kickstarter a little bit. <laughs> So it's actually kind of funny because you can find there are so many gaming conventions all over the place that are just have bad PR more than anything. Like you just it's hard to find where these conventions are. Um, Steve, in our audience, he pointed out a Kickstarter of a gaming convention that's running in southern southeastern Wisconsin out by um, Milwaukee. And I would have never known about this. If he had not pointed out, I was like, hey, a friend of mine is running this and it's on Kickstarter. They funded, but they were, their goal was only like $1,000 or something like that to, to fund for the convention. So this convention, I'm guessing, is you know a few hundred people, which is plenty for a gaming convention. You don't need huge numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I guess a lot of these smaller conventions, I tend not to go to just for time. Um, we have one that's down the street from us that I have absolutely no idea how we found out about it. Sydney just maybe saw it on a local Facebook group, which is another way to local Facebook groups for um, gaming areas. You can will typically see people announce these conventions. Um, 
but you really you kind of have to search for them and word of mouth and go on BGG and go the general to your threads game say, store see if your game store has any information about yeah. people sometimes yeah yep you, you and, know like try so, lots of avenues yep. don't just think because, oh I did this one thing so there must not be because I didn't find it you know check all the things yep these smaller conventions they really don't do a good job on PR. And that's the biggest problem is, you know, advertising is something that just kind of gets, you know, thrown by the wayside. And rightfully so. For the first couple of years you run your own convention, you probably don't want to attract thousands of people. <laughs> that first year, you probably just want a couple hundred tops and see how it works out because they're not easy to run. And there's a lot of work to them. You know, Sydney, put, somehow they put on a Keyforge tournament in, I think they did, had eight weeks, six to eight weeks to put this thing on. And that was just one room for two days. And that was still a ton of work. Like they were working, mm-hmm. all non-working hours were spent and some working hours were spent doing Keyforge related stuff. So it's it's a lot of work. And I'm like I said, if I knew more about them, I would happily support them. Gaming Hoopla is one that's like super local to us. Well, me specifically. And, you know, each year we buy badges. Sometimes we go, last year we didn't go, but I think we paid for badges just to support them because it was during COVID. But um, yeah, it's, and also everything was all in the same month. So that we had like five conventions all in <laughs> September. It's kind of a pain. All uh, right. Anything for you want to add? Have you found any local conventions? Then it's kind of um, like your book conventions, right? I, I mean, like, I don't really do a lot of conventions. The book convention I would go to were big national ones. So, um, yeah, not so much. I, uh, no, I do actually, big conventions. <laughs> one other place that you can check out is meetup.com. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but I know that a lot of my current gaming friends, they all met through a meetup. And I'm guessing that meetup um, we'll have like these smaller conventions saying, "Hey, we're doing this thing." But if the if you just want to connect to new gamers, that's also a good way of starting to get groups back together. Obviously, the last two years it hasn't really been a thing, but it's starting to become more of a thing. So I would expect that more people are kind of looking for in person play. All right, Steve asks, "What what's better, several expansions for a game or one expansion with several modules?" What do you think, Kidney? Kidney? I just called you. I'm kidney. a kidney. I need a kidney. Yep. I am neither Kitty nor Sydney. (laughs) I am now Kidney. Um, I prefer several expansions because I like to, I'm pickier about it. I don't like to just have all the things. I'd rather have the thing that seems engaging for me to play with. So I especially like ones that will expand player counts. This used to be more of a thing, I feel like. Now I feel like games are more accommodating for five, six players than they used to be. But um, for my family, if we all wanted to play a lot of three, four player games, we could buy a five, six player expansion. But sometimes it would come with lots of other gameplay that we never really wanted. So um, I I like it when they're split up into different things. Chris, your other wrong opinion? I hate modular expansions. I hate them. Like, I have the one for Scythe, which is the Rise of Fenris, which he turned it into like a, a legacy campaign where you unlock a new module each time. It's really just a modular expansion. It's annoying. Um, Roll for the Galaxy, a game that I like. I'm not bothering to get the expansion because it's like $70, which is ex- just as expensive as the base <laughs> game. And it has a bunch of little modules in there. And I'm like, give me, just give me a solid expansion that I can add the, all of it. And I don't want to have to sort through my expansion to figure out what I'm going to add and take out. And I just, I don't, I don't like modular expansions give me one expansion and you can give me several one expansions just don't give me several expansions in one which is odd because whenever i do a kickstarter i back everything which is all the expansions in one i thought you would go for all the expansions in one but kickstarters typically every expansion has its own box so i can make it feel like i just have a bunch of single expansions as opposed Mm -hmm. to one expansion with a bunch of modules so maybe that's why i like it um John follows up on the question about turning video games into board games as to whether or not it captures the feel of the game. And I just say that it doesn't necessarily have... My opinion is it doesn't have to cover capture the feel of the game. It has to capture the feel of the IP. Like Skyrim, for example. It doesn't have to do what the game, There's what the video game no does. There's no way it can do what the game does. There's just yeah. no way. But you want to capture nuts. the feel of the world, right? Yeah. 
yeah. So I don't know. I think like The Witcher, for example, this is a game. The gameplay looks really, really cool. I don't know anything about the IP. Um, I know about the show. I watched the Netflix show, but it doesn't really follow that at all or anything like that. But I don't care because it, it still allows me to explore the world in a different way. All the Lord of the Rings thing games, right? Yeah. The War of the Rings, that captures the feel of the of the story of the book. But everything else is just you're playing in that same world. And I like that aspect of it. Let me discover different pieces of the world through mm-hmm. this particular medium versus discovering the same thing just in a different medium. Uh, right. Eric asked a question about Discord, and but I'm going to answer it because everybody on Discord has the same question. So I added a bot to the Discord to specifically because I wanted to give personalized welcome messages. So when you log on, it'll say, hey, oh, if you're a patron, um, like PM me so that I can change you, change the color of your name. So, and, and I actually say this right now because I ha- don't have the bot saying it yet. But if you're a patron and you're on Discord um, and your name isn't red, ping me so I can add you to the Patreon uh, group. It doesn't give you anything besides access to a patron channel, which is currently empty. But um, I just want to, you know, give you guys a special color because we're super appreciated. Also, you don't have to be a current patron. If you've ever been a patron, um, you will get the color and the color will never go away. So, um, but that's what the bot's there for. But automatically, as you chat, the bot will tell you you've leveled up, like the more messages you put out there. And it does it obnoxiously. So I might disable that feature or I just might make it a little less obnoxious. I like the idea of it where it kind of points out, hey, you're being active, so we're giving you a level up. Because um, it's gamified and we're, you know, You gaming, love to gamify things. I do love to gamify things. So I just need to spend a little bit of time with Me6. That's the name of the bot. And <laughs> fix it up. All right. John asks, holiday themed games. Are there enough? Are there any? Should there be? Ooh, kitty. Um, I know that there was a Hallmark Channel movie game. Um, I don't know if it's good. <laughs> it, it just answer. There shouldn't be. <laughs> um, and I just saw a Kickstarter actually for Christmas themed um five e. What is it? Christmas themed one shots for first to fifth level adventures in five e. And that seemed fun. I opened it in a I new tab. I kind of love that. I know. Yeah. That, that, um, so, yeah. You know, I'm not opposed to holiday-themed games. Um, I do think they tend towards, like, the more cheesy and party-ish game. Like, I don't know. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if, we, if this is a, a thing we need more of. But I'm not opposed. And I'm not aware of too many of them already so yeah i think the problem is there it's it's that whole problem of a niche within a niche not that holiday themed games aren't an appropriate like sub genre it's just that they're also very timely um even scary games like they don't brand it as halloween they brand it as like horror or ghost or something like that mm-hmm. um are you talking about the seven free christmas and holiday D adventures to check out um, I just, you... I dropped it in the chat. If anyone's interested, you can grab that link, Chris, or I can text it to you well, for you the show notes. Well, you should put it in the Discord where it will live forever. I even have a D&D channel in the Discord. <sighs> I know, I know. I'm trying to train us to do it because how can I expect other people to want to do it if you don't even want to do it? This is my peer pressure. Um, real time peer pressure. things than me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, holiday themed games, I'd have a hard time. Like, I can't buy a Christmas game in June. It's just not going to work. And I'm not going to, even during Christmas, it's like, do I want to play a Christmas game at Christmas? Maybe. Like, what's the Thanksgiving game? Pin the... Something about eating turkey. Drumstick on the turkey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's exactly enough holiday themed games. (laughs) Uh, Steve asks, what are good gift ideas for the holidays for people just getting into the hobby of board gaming? Actually, I had a, a similar question for you, Kitty. Are you buying board games for anybody? And if so, what are you buying? Or just tabletop games in general? Uh, I don't know. I've been very successful 
sometimes, but most of the time my games go unappreciated. Mostly I just buy games for my mom now because we have very similar taste and I have really gotten her a few games that she really loves and that makes me very happy and she wants to play the games with me. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. I think I'm going to pick up a new game for my mom. Not sure what I'm going to get her yet. So far she's really loved Herbaceous and Azul and Calico is too much for her. So... Um, anyone who's got suggestions based on those, I guess put them in the Discord, and I'll have to go find them. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I I have a few extra copies of the Crew Deep Sea, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. because as far as like a stocking stuffer, you know, work party friend gift thing, that's just going to be the game I give this year because mm-hmm. it's just. It's so good, so approachable, and also super cheap. Um, I don't want to buy a $70 game for someone that will never open it. That's why I buy $70 games, so I don't have to open them. <laughs> but like buying anything like sub-20 that's like super popular. Um, I know last year it was just one. I bought a couple copies of that. Uh, mostly like co-op-y type of you know friendly, approachable games I've been picking up. So yeah, and this year um, we do... A cousin's gift drawing. So basically our kids buying for their cousins and their cousins buying for them. And um, one of the kids is around seven or eight. So I'm probably going to end up getting him a game of something. But I'm going to do a little bit of research on that one to decide like what's going to work well at that age. He's into, oh, Star Wars Legos right now. So... Maybe there's a Star Wars game that might fit there, or maybe I just get him Star Wars Legos because he's a kid and you just get him what they want. <coughs> All right. Um, Joshua asks, how about, and I'm reading these questions uh, blind without pre-reading them, so if they say something <laughs> that they shouldn't. That's just Blame how our listeners. <laughs> yeah. How about the random old games that are less known being sold in mainstream stores like Barnes and Noble and probably um, Overstock, making them seem like new games? I I think that they're mainstream because they're sold in all these places. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what. What do you think about that? Like, uh, so an older game that's being sold in a newer store, but it's being like put next to new games that have been released. I mean, I think it's just expanding our hobby. When you see these kinds of games and Barnes & Noble, when you see it in Target, um, if it's reaching new people, who cares if they think it's new or not? Um, You know, like, I'll have people come up to me who are just getting into Settlers of Catan, you know, like, and I'm excited for them because then I'm like, oh, man, if you like that, have I got news for you? Um, and what does it matter if they're like, you know, I, I, it doesn't, we don't need to like shame people for like, oh, I played that like a decade ago, you know, like, (laughs) that's that's um, so old. Oh my God. That's old news. Like, you know, I, I try very hard to, to not be like a snob about things because I could very easily be a huge snob. Um, but instead, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm excited. If you like that, have I got news for you? There's like a decade's worth of games that like we can start delving into finding like what it is about that, that you like, I, you know, like we need to play this and this and this and this, and I'm excited about it. So, you know, like as long as it's not being like deceptive in its marketing of like trying to get people to buy the same game that they already own that I'm not okay with, but as long as it's just like, you know, we're, we're putting out the games all in the game section together. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, these are evergreen style games. And honestly, mainstream games are essentially those are evergreen, right? They just keep on printing them because people keep on buying them. They wouldn't make a zillion versions of Monopoly if a zillion versions of Monopoly weren't being bought every year. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, why do people buy Monopoly? I don't know, but they do a lot. Um so it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm actually yeah I'm pretty okay with this. Um, I've never seen it be a problem. Like HeroScape was just released by Hasbro, and they barely made any adjustments to anything. It's it's not an updated anything at all. It's just a reprint of the game, and it went gangbusters. Like you know, well over a million. I think they hit two million plus on their own private um, crowdfunding things. You know, Kitty. Speaking of giant companies that don't need crowdfunding, how about Hasbro? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but they didn't really make any changes to it. But then the people who got HeroScape are like, you know, I, I like it because I, I grew up with it. And if you know what you're getting into, I think that's great. And if you think it's something new, then you probably were, you probably didn't look deep enough in and were misled. But I looked at it and I'm like, this looks like something I passed up in my childhood and don't have any interest in looking at now. So I, I passed on that particular campaign. But um, Darren asks, I've, now I've brainwashed him into uh, Keyforge. Where does he go <laughs> next? Well, fortunately for you, I have plenty of time to catch up because <laughs> according to Stephen Bonacore, and I do not, I've not heard this officially uh Confirm, but Bonacore says he has insider information that uh, the Keyforge algorithm was the subject of a um, ransomware attack that they decided not to pay the ransom of. And so they need to rewrite the algorithm from the ground up, which may or may not be true. Uh, it actually doesn't matter what happened, but it's still on hiatus until they've done doing what they're doing. So I would say if it were me, I would just keep buying decks after decks after decks without playing any of them. Um, but that's not what I recommend anyone do. I would say <laughs> get a cheap box of each set and call that good. So just a display. Usually a display is going to cost you between, you know, 35 to $85 for 12 decks. And I would just say get one of every set. And that way you have a bunch of different things you can mix and match and you can try out all the sets and see what you like and don't like. And you'll have more decks than you ever need and that'll tide you over until the next one comes over and then you'll go and buy 12 more decks um if we were not in the middle of a keyforge hiatus and you know a at this point kind of a spotty pandemic depending on where you live whether or not you can do in-person things or not um i would say the thing to do is go play in sealed tournaments um whatever sealed tournament you can go so much fun yep i don't think i'm gonna get back into competitive Keyforge, unless it is sealed tournaments. Um, I just think it's so much more fun and it really, you know, it gives you both the excuse and the like fun. I don't know. Like, there's so much more to it. Like, oh, you know, I got the bad deck. Oh, well, haha. But like, also, you know, you're not playing against somebody who went on eBay and spent $200 on their deck because it's got the combo that is beating everyone currently. You know, like, it's fun. I yeah. think it's more fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You normally at a Levels local store, you're going to get, yeah, you're going to open up one deck and play it three times in a, a bigger tournament setting. You'll get three decks. You'll pick one and then you'll play that one deck throughout the entire tournament. But it's, it's really just a great way of getting additional decks, getting to play the decks you open and, you know, having a chance of winning, even though you may not have spent more money than anyone else at the, at the table. Yeah, everyone's spending what, like ten bucks. Yep, yep, ten bucks at a, at a game store and probably thirty dollars at a at a vault tour or something yeah. like that. So fingers crossed that we'll see these hopefully next summer. I'm going to say next summer would be a great time to relaunch this, but we'll <laughs> Maybe. see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe. I like Christopher's next question. So, um, <laughs> it's not really in the. It's all right. So. Really good standees instead of minis. Any hope of that happening? Uh, the benefits of that being box sizes can be smaller, product costs should be lower, look better uh, for those who do not paint. Do I think this will happen? No. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> All the points that people make about standees versus minis is true. It's less plastic. It's less. It's not necessarily less weight, but it's probably less weight. Um, cardboard's not super light, but it's still probably less weight. Um, it's certainly more recyclable. Cardboard breaks down more. It's just better for the environment overall, and it's cheaper. Like, all of these things are true. It is not economically feasible. Um, there have been a few standee projects on Kickstarter, and they can do okay, but they don't come anywhere close to the amount of money you make when you replace those standees with miniatures. And the fact of the matter is, Miniatures are incredibly cheap to produce in quantity. Making the mold is expensive, but once that mold is made, getting zillions of copies of that thing are super, super cheap. So that's why publishers do this, um, because they can just make a lot more money. Plus, people love their plastic. Like, it, it, it's I not... Say, 
I really enjoy Kickstarters that do it where you get to choose the deluxe version or the standee version, where you could choose the miniatures or you can choose the standees. Because honestly, I'm with you, Christopher. I like the standees. I'm not going to paint miniatures. Like, they don't look as good if they're not painted. And it, you know, I'm all about being sustainable. And hey, I I actually agree. (laughs) The problem is when you look at the numbers, the vast people that are actually supporting these projects are not showing that this makes a makes sense for publishers to to do. Now, one thing, and again, I'm going to quote Stephen Bonacore on this. I listened to his um, ga- uh, Board Game Insider podcast every week, and I agree with his opinion, but I'm going to state his opinion. The board game industry can not be responsible for leading the charge against um, basically sustainable production. We are a drop in the bucket. We have yeah. the the publishers that are making these games cannot afford to sustain you know local p- printing and all of that. It's just not feasible. All board games would stop existing if you expected that you know every publisher has to be as sustainable as possible. It's just it can't be done. The margins are already so small that it's not possible. And even if every board game publisher did every single one of them used only you know recycled tree leaves instead of plastic which i think is kind of the same thing but you know what i mean it's it would not have a a dent in the overall footprint of uh, you know what this country or this world produces as far as um unrecycled material so it's it's just not fair to ask publishers to do this saying hey you should go out of business because i don't want plastic and i want cheaper games um that's basically what you're asking when you want these and i would say every game i've seen that offers standee option versus miniatures they all regret it after the fact because they get about you know if they get a thousand orders for the miniatures they get about a hundred orders for the standees and now they have to do all that work for a hundred games that didn't give them make them more money and actually made them less money so that's what happens when when this hap when you do this that said i think there is definitely a secondary market for here you bought this simon game with all these miniatures here are standy replacements for that game you know we do like um you know all the different meeple replacements and and stuff like that you could do that with like here's some cardboard standy replacements to make your miniatures look cool so if you're business minded and artistic because you'd have to make your own art for this or license the art from the original publisher um i think you could actually make some money on that one um but you'd also find out really quick that people just don't want standees i think um, Eric asks, do you quickly jump into a game that's a reprint or a nostalgic one, or do you wait and feel it out? Uh, feel it out first. Auto buy or not on reprints of nostalgic games? I don't know, Kitty. Have you any of any like reprints of games in your childhood where you're like, okay, I must have this because this was a game of my childhood? No, I'm still waiting for them to remake Pizza Party. But it's an auto buy if they do. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't I don't have a lot of um I don't know. Maybe it's just cuz my parents still have the basement full of all of my nostalgic childhood games. Um and like honestly, I don't really want them to be better versions of the games. I just want them to like live in my memory as they were. I don't know. It's not something that I'm that terribly interested in. The only thing I like about Pizza Party was the theme song for the game commercial because we had it on a videotaped Christmas special so it reminds me of Christmas that and the Colgate pump you know yeah for me it's tricky I think at some point in the past five years reprints and nostalgic games I would just buy because they existed today I realized that every time I've done that I've never opened them because I don't want to ruin the nostalgic of what I felt Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, unless it's really, really like even all the um, uh, games from why can't I think of this Renegade, not Renegade Renaissance games. Um, uh, Oh, restoration games. Yes. Um, They even those games. I'm like, eh, I just I just don't I'm not drawn to them. And 
I guess it's back to the the original question about the Barnes and Noble and like like eh, that's an old game. I don't need it, even though it's a reprint. <laughs> eh. But which is funny because well, even people have asked me, have you gotten second edition of Great Western Trail yet? And my answer is no. There's nothing wrong with first edition, and it's only been like six years, so I think I'm <laughs> fine with my first edition. I'll just stick with that. If I didn't have first edition, I would get second edition, sure. But I do have it, so I kind of stick with it still. Uh, Kitty John asks you, should he buy Windward? I really enjoy it. I think it's really fun. It is. It has great table presence. Um, and, you know, we don't get a lot of games out to our table, and we've gotten this one out a few different times. So, um, yeah, we, we like it. Um, I will say, I don't know. I don't know if my taste is universal. I, so. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't but I really like reviews. it. It's really pretty. Yeah, it hasn't gotten great reviews, but I don't think all games get like it. I had a conversation about Rotten Tomato in movies. And uh-huh. if, if a movie has like a Rotten Tomato rating of 14%, it still means that 14 out of 100 people really liked the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, my um, recommendation is if you find that your tastes are similar to Kitty's, <laughs> then yes, you would probably like it. And if you find that you disagree with her on everything... Uh, then no, you probably wouldn't like it. My my review of Windward. Let's. Uh, did I make you play this one, Chris, or have you not played it yet? I have not played it yet. I'm looking forward to it, but I have not played it. Um, it get so the wind mechanic is very cool. All of the movement is really fun of your ships. I really like the dual level. Um, so there's these. You're basically like whalers on a gaseous planet, and you're trying to get these things called cresters to gain notoriety, which are basically victory points. Um, so there's different kinds of cresters. The big ones are the red ones, and they are on one level. And then there are the white ones, which are easier to beat, and they are on a separate level. So you have to launch long boats out of your big ship. So the red ones can only attack your big ship and the white ones, you have to launch your long boats to attack them, which is really cool that like you can literally move over these white ones with your ship and you're on a different level. And like literally on the table, the pieces are elevated off the table to two different levels. Very cool. Um, But basically my complaint with it is that it feels like, you're just getting going in the game when suddenly somebody ends it. Like, it goes from like, oh, I've got like two points, I've got three points, I've got five points. Someone else has 15 and the game is over. So, you know, (laughs) it just, it goes from like zero to the end real quick there. Um, But it's fun and we'll probably play it more. So, so there it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'd play it. All Anyone right, else have really question? specific game questions? I love those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve asks a very specific game question. Did he teach us Azul wrong? Uh, Steve, I have no idea. Maybe. Um, but... <laughs> I don't know if you taught us wrong or if I wasn't paying attention, but the first player tile is supposed to go into the center with all of the tiles that you can like pick up from the center. And if you pick up from the center first, you're supposed to put it in your negatives. And I hadn't been doing that. Um, so, so it's like cheating. a penalty. Well, it's a penalty who for whoever does it first, but it also gives them an advantage for the next round. So we were just kind of, you know, it's a wash. Whatever. Yeah. It was. It was kind of a wash, but it does make it a little bit more interesting. The the center piles up a little bit more. So yeah. All right. Um, Christopher has a great question that I might end on. I'm just going to do a quick scan to see if there's other questions here. Um, there's some comments on things. Most IP games are actually okay compared to IP games of the 80s and 90s. Definitely, for sure. <laughs> um, a couple on very specific things like Beyond the Sun versus Search for Planet X, which I haven't played either of them, and I should. Search for Planet X is like a puzzle-solving um, game, and Beyond the Sun is just it's tech tree, the game. Uh, both things I think I would like. Um, thoughts on Jones Theory, only having one game type of your in your collection. Um, actually, Christopher, you asked some really good questions. Okay. Uh, okay. We're going to answer, we're going to answer this first one first, though. Christopher asks, how much, how have your board game chains taste changed over the years? Are you playing shorter, lighter games or heavier games? Are you playing certain types of games that you previously liked or disliked, etc.? Um, so over the five, last five years, like how have your, gaming tastes changed? Mm, I don't think my 
gaming tastes have changed terribly much. I still really enjoy um, more puzzly kind of the uh, multiplayer solitaire style of games. I would say I've gotten better at recognizing games that I'm probably going to like than I used to be. So like I used to just kind of pick up games randomly, be like, this looks fun, I like this art, but now I can kind of tell before I buy, will I like this or not? Um, yeah. yeah. I would and say I, that's, I the, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the main things, is I stopped picking up games based on the art, because uh, art is gorgeous, and it's the ultimate judging the book by its cover. <laughs> I will actually dig a little bit deeper in there. And I used to love games where you open it up and there's like a 64-page rule book. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, man, so many rules to read. This is amazing. Now, if there's like an eight-page rule book, I'm like, ugh, why can't they condense this more? Um, <laughs> I And this is another more recent thing. Like, I used to be like, oh, campaign games. This is going to be amazing. The story and being able to have, like, continuing storylines and characters that change from one adventure to another. Yes, I still like those things. I think most games that do it overdo it. And it's frustrating. I want to be able to actually finish a campaign game. Pandemic Legacy, I don't like Pandemic. Pandemic Legacy was the exact right size for a campaign game that had changing characters, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, role-playing, role-player Adventures, I'm playing right now. It is another exactly the right size game. It's 10 chapters. And there's a couple side missions you can go on. And there's immense amounts of story and decisions and there's, you know, character development as you go through. Actually, it's more party development as you go through. And it is the right size and each play session is the right length. And I love it because I get all of that without having to say um, Madara, where it's like, okay, now designated the next four years of your life to this. Or even Gloomhaven, which is here's two years of your life. You can't play anything else. You can only play Gloomhaven. Ready, go. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't like those kinds of games anymore. Like, I just can't do it. It's why Jaws of the Lion sits on my desk, or sits on, well, it used to be on my desk, sits on my shelf, just staring at me being like, one of these days, I will introduce my kids to this game. Ten years <laughs> from now, when the trauma of playing the original Gloomhaven is gone. Because that's, it's just so much commitment to play these kinds of games. But yeah, I just like, I like quicker, easier games to get to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a lot of two-player games, but even with two-player games, I now pick the ones that Sydney is going to like as well. And if I play a game with her and she doesn't immediately have fun with it, that's fine. I don't press it because I have a ton of other two-player games I can introduce her to. Um, but if she does jump on it, I'm like, okay, let's play again until she gets sick of it. And then I just move on. So knowing your gaming group slash partner is important too as far as like gaming tastes have changed Mm. she doesn't like narrative games as much there's there's some narrative games she likes but mostly she likes the mechanics of the game not necessarily the story of it so i know that if it's a compelling story that's not going to matter it has to be a compelling story and compelling mechanics so like that type of thing she's really digging role-playing role-player adventure as well because it's more of a puzzle to figure out in its combat and skill challenges versus like, you know, just roll dice and see what happens. So there's a lot of fun to be had there. Um, let's see. Getting some comments, money grabs on IP. There's no such thing as a money grab. Um, it's just called making a product. So every, everything that's being sold is a money grab. So just, yeah, you can, you can make like, this goes back to the IP games, right? You can make, you know, bad IP games and slap an IP on something. I still don't, I still wouldn't call that a money grab. I'd call that maybe misrepresentation, but nowhere on the outside of a bad IP game does it say, this is a bad game or this is a great game. It just says, here's a game based on this IP. Um, <laughs> I was breaking Eric's heart for something. So these, this is this is the problem with live chats and, and catching up. We are now forty minutes behind in the chat. <laughs> um, do you agree that games are not as interesting if they just combine what's already been done or just alter different ways to go about thinking of the gameplay? I think people unfairly judge such games, especially since most people don't get to play all games. Um, This is a great question. So I'm going to read it again. Do you agree that games are not as interesting if they just combine what's already been done 
or just alter different ways to go about thinking of the gameplay. Now, um, I'm, Kitty, I, I can talk forever, so I'm going to let you answer this question first. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd like to hear your thoughts first. I, I need to I don't I can't think of specific examples where this so is the case. So every practically every game you've ever played. Um <laughs> so and and that's kind of the point, Fair. right? Yeah. It is very rare to have a game come out that isn't based on another game coming out. And we know we can point to the games that do this. Um, you know, Magic the Gathering. That was mm-hmm. the first constructed decade yeah yep yep and after that every other game is just a derivative of magic the gathering dominion um now i've heard that it wasn't the first to do deck building but i still think it was the first that actually mattered but every other deck builder is just you know another variation of dominion at that point um worker placement i don't know which the first game was but there was something out there that was that pandemic is the one that brought co-op games out there you know the the attacking or things keep getting worse and you just have to keep fighting things off there's not a lot of those though and when they do happen they make a splash because they are original to the point where people are like, whoa, look over there, see what they did here. I think the whole idea, there was a there's a court case that happened and I, copyright in games is one of my, I don't know if it's pet peeve, but it's one of my things that, <laughs> you know, I get a little bug in my bonnet over is I, one of the best things that ever happened to board gaming was the fact that Bang the Card Game was allowed to be completely stolen wholesale and remade with a different theme. And the court said, this is not copyright infringement. You cannot copyright rules or mechanics. That's the best thing that ever happened to board games. And the reason is, as soon as you start telling people that I can say, I can make a rule that you're not allowed to copy, I can make stats that you're not allowed to copy, you stop development of new games. And that is the most dangerous thing that you can do to a hobby. Um, patent lawsuits, there's a reason why patents exist, but there's also a reason why patent lawsuits are just the worst thing. And my industry is software. You know, it's one of the worst things in the software industry is these just constant patent battles. Um, and it just, it stifles innovation. It does the exact opposite of what patents are supposed to do. So anyway, that's kind of a tangent and I could do an entire episode just on game (laughs) copyright. And I, I may actually do this. There'll be homework on that one though. Um, but I think it's it's I think it's great that people iterate on games. I think if you're a fledging game designer, take a game you love and change it to something you love more. Get rid of the things you don't like and you know put things that you do like in there. Change the theme, change whatever. Make it something that you want to play even more than the original. Give the original credit if you want to. But yeah, that's how, that's how things are iterated on. It's literally called iteration because we're starting with something and modifying it slightly to get to the next thing. Yeah, I actually um you know bringing this to books, I uh, heard an author talk one time where she was saying um, she stopped reading too much because she felt like she didn't want to infringe on other people's ideas that she felt like, you know, I don't want to be too influenced by other people, you know, so I want my ideas to feel like they come from me. And she was talking to her editor. She said, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of running out of books. I don't have as many ideas. Maybe I'm done with this for a while. And her editor said, Please go read a book. You need to read because <laughs> it gives you your idea. You know, you, you you're not going to steal the entire game. Like it's so rare that you end up with you know just a reskinned game. That's not the point. You you do is you get inspired by like oh I love this part of this but I don't like how this works. So how would I change this part to make it what I like? And it really. You know, it that's where innovation comes from. And, you know, we might not get some of these really cool games without somebody out there being like, man, I wish this worked differently in this game that I already kind of love, but just this one thing, you know? So, yep. so yeah, I'm with and there'll you. There'll be a lot of knockoffs. Yeah, there'll be a lot of knockoffs and clones out there, but that's fine. They're not going to sell. Mm-hmm. Like, the hobby's small enough where if you want to know if a game is good, go watch a couple reviews. And if they say, yeah, it's just a knockoff of this other game, but not as good... Don't don't buy it. Like these games, they're not selling crazy amounts, and that's not always the same in all countries for you know in all places. But in general, I just I just think this is a good thing. It's a good thing that game designs have no protection. Mm-hmm. I 
love that. That is a feature, not a bug. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like if every thought could be patented, we wouldn't be allowed to think anymore. It's just, it's just not good. Um, all right, off my soapbox. Um, have increasing shipping costs affected my game acquisitions? <sighs> not really. Mostly because the hidden the shipping costs are hidden to me until after the pledge manager closes. So I'm just like, Ugh, okay, well, I guess I'm paying that. Um, but ultimately, I know the publishers aren't trying to screw us either. It it literally just costs a fortune these days to ship games. But good news is shipping is coming down. Things are getting better. So over the next few months, um, especially right now, because right now is the slow season for shipping. It seems counterintuitive because of the holidays. But at this point, all of the stuff needed to have shown up for the holidays. So during the holidays, the shipping season is relatively light, giving them a chance to catch up. So I'm hearing good things at the moment. Um, some talk about Christmas games, pilgrims fighting. No, we're not even reading that out loud. Um, <laughs> <Thanksgiving> games. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, some themes we are not able to do in our modern board game uh, hobby. So we're just going to skip that. Um, and let's see. Uh, all right. I think we just get to zombies and marvel so that's that's how we miss it terrence says oh i missed questions episode for playing car wars no terrence you missed uh you you missed it so you didn't even get to ask a car wars question and now it's too late because now (laughs) we need to draw for winners for our 2021 game giveaway contest this i'm gonna say this but i don't actually know why um this is true but i believe this is the last normal drawing and i'm gonna do something different next month so we'll see what happens so uh we're gonna draw two or three winners we'll see how the how the names pop up um if i don't get any patrons or if i get if i don't get anybody who's entered an email in the first two drawings then i will make another drawing and make sure that's someone from email um otherwise it'll just be the first two uh, the list of games will be in the show notes. They will be updated for this episode, which means I have extra homework to do tonight. I have a picture of all... Maybe I'll just post a picture. I'm just going to post the picture. I'm going to post a picture in the show notes. So if you are a winner or if you want to see which games are available, go to tabletopgametalk.com and it's going to be the first post. Or you can look uh, if you have a podcast reader that allows you to embed pictures, you'll see it there. But you're going to see a picture of the shelf in my basement, and you can just pick the games off of the shelf. Then I don't have to write anything out. So uh, we're going to, like I said, two or three names. We'll see what happens. And then next month, we will have um, drawings, but we'll see how I play that, because I might want to do like a rapid fire just so I can get rid of everything. But there might be some special um, restrictions around that. I should share my screen so that this can be independently audited. All right. So if you're in our live audience, you are now auditing what I'm doing. If you've never seen this before, there's a random number. I go five, four, three, two, one, and wherever the winner falls, that is the winner for that week. So um, five, four, three, two, one. And the winner is Brian Arnold. So you are our first winner winner from that is not the there we go uh winner from patreon and so that means there's a chance that we have three and i'm just putting a date there okay so our next winner will be five four three two one uh and this is an email winner um although i think this is also I'm pretty sure Adrian is a patron as well. But Adrian Adrian Peterson um, is our next winner. And just because I think he's a patron, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think at one point he was, though, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't care. I'm going to do another draw. I'm going to do another one. Well, it definitely was an email entry that won. Um, All right. And for email, I don't do that. So anyway, I'm going to do another one anyway, because that's just what what I want to do. All right. So, and our last winner is also email. Um, is it Nasri name? Nasri name? Nam? That sound right? Sure. You're not going to get me to read it. <laughs> Nas- <laughs> Nasri. Nasri. N a s r i. There is no other Nasri who ever entered. So, if that's your name, you've won as well. 
So here's the deal. Um, email me within the next two weeks, uh, giving me uh, give me a list of like two or three games off of the image. And depending on when you email me and if other people want the same game, it'll just be prioritized uh, accordingly. Um, if I don't get an email within the next two weeks, then you will likely go back into being able to be a winner for the December drawing. And if you email me right away, I'm really terrible at this, so I probably won't actually do anything with it for two weeks. So just because I don't respond right away doesn't mean you didn't get it to me. Um, the email address is the same email address you entered with, so it's feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. All right. Do we need to do anything else? I think I need to read this paragraph. And then I think you have to read the patrons because you still didn't fix the show notes. Um, oh, darn it. So. <sighs> Fine. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. And join our Discord, which is going to be the very first link in the show notes, because it's fun. I'm always there, and we'll respond to you, usually within hours, sometimes within minutes. Um, so if you want to chat and ask questions, and I only accept positive feedback. So if you have any kind of um, you know critical feedback or anything like that, just you know leave it to email where I will ignore it. So, but a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth. Um, and then I'm going to just, I'm going to cheat. Jason, John, Joe, Danita, Jim, Stephen, Gary, Peter, Andrew, John, David, Matthew, Jimothy, Paul, Nicholas, Weatherman, Keith, Joe, uh, Leanne, Stephen, Christopher, Marina, Ben, Sean, Michael, Jeremy, Jason, Christopher, Terrence, David, Brian, David again, different David, Courtney, Ryan, Dan, Darren, David, whoo, that's tough, Tony, Jesse, Charles, Agnes, Ron, Aaron, Don, Glenn, Eric, Adrian, Eric, again, we have lots of Eric's, uh, Jason, Justin, Jerry, Sean, thank you all, and thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Remember, if you've ever been a patron and you join the discard, just let me know. You do not need to be an active um, patron to be credited with your uh, special patron color in our discord. But until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, Kitty, say something witty. Witty. That's not, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that I'm out. Dying. And this is, just, I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> uh, fine. Oh, I do have one question, though. When are we playing D&D next? I don't know. The next thing I have on my calendar is Delta Green. Oh, when are we playing Delta Green next? On the 11th. So everyone get okay, ready for cool. that. <laughs> Excellent. All right, next week we're talking about role-playing games again, and I have a few different ones written down here. So a few different topics, but uh, yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.